Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I wanted to know if you wanted to see my party trick. I do want to see your party trick. Tell me who your enemy is and I'll tell you who you are. <laughs> Don't you think that's brilliant? Well, I'll tell you something. When he said that, you talk about Mencken here talking to yeah. Roman. When he said that, I thought, oh, who's my enemy? And I couldn't really think of anybody that I think of as an enemy. And then I realized that I genuinely am my own worst enemy. That's beautiful. I sort of thought who my enemy is. This is so gross. It's someone who's so far beneath me. They don't even deserve to be my enemy. And I thought, I need to work on my self-esteem levels. But don't you think that's the kind of thing a cunt would say? <laughs> so I think maybe you've learned more than I. But the point is, it's no, a we've... brilliant reveal and shows Justin Kirk playing Mankin. Glad to see you in with the other kings, buddy. Glad to have you on board. It um, shows his emotional intelligence, which is, of course, going to be the poison with which, you know, that he uses to kill some immigrants. Hello, welcome. Let's talk into the night. Literary, global, macro, micro, cosmo. We bounce off each other. Oh God! <laughs> um, we should we should start with the uh, with the brain dumps. Do you want to go first? Nothing's more dangerous than a second rate individual who sees his chance. This is Shiv in the car going to that function with her dad, with her new stepmom in the back seat, <laughs> Carrie with her great friend. She says that about the VP, and I thought if Shiv were to be able to really look in the mirror at herself, she would describe herself as very dangerous because she is a second-rate individual who sees her own chance. It is also, of course, true about all three of her siblings, and I loved that moment. We've been talking a lot about the Hugo-Carolina competing dynamic, well, and who got to go on the trip? Not Jerry, not, not Frank, not, not Carl, not Carolina, but Hugo had weaseled his way in there. Why did Logan pick him? We both have said to each other, the episode started and it sort of, it was still great because it's succession, but it like wasn't our favorite. And by the time we got to the end of it, and then by the time that we did our second watch, we were like, this is maybe the best episode so far. And the the level of corruption that it's showing is perhaps the most extreme we've seen so far. And what is Tiny Head called? Fisher Stevens? I can Hugo. Never Hugo. Hugo is the most corrupt of Jerry, Carolina, Frank, or Carl. He's the one you want in that Keep environment. Bring that little worm. <laughs> bring a little worm along with you. And another brain dump regarding Lisa. She's fired by Ken. 
because of course he cannot handle being told the truth. And what does that honesty get her? The label of a toxic person. If you find yourself labeling someone else a toxic person, reflect on why. Have you ever been labeled a toxic person? Not is this that, coming from a place of pain no, I for think you? I, do, I think sometimes people just will be like, well, she's toxic. And I'm like, is that toxicity or is it like... Did someone tell you something you didn't want to hear? That's all I'm saying. I think you're exactly right. That's what happened with with Kendall and Lisa. But I thought there was this other dimension to it, that when in the corridor she she says to him, do you think you're smarter than me? There's there's a tone she's using which feels like, to him, I think, like a beration. His whole life, he's had this coldness from his mother. He's been berated by his father. And whenever somebody causes him to feel that, at this point in his life where he's trying to seize control he can't cope with somebody making him feel like his parents made him feel and then of course we see that later with um with tom i think in this episode the succession writers accidentally did the equivalent of of giving the formula for how to make a biological bomb and what that was was when roman is in the in the bathroom with menkin and he gives his vision for what atn should be It's terrifying. He describes it as TikTok psychos and gun girls with jewel pods, a kind of deep state conspiracy hour with a wink. And I genuinely think that he has described how to get younger viewers and how to radicalise them. Right. So basically they just like explained people how to make a suicide bomb to people who make suicide bombs. Yeah. I feel like you've also just released your own chemical weapon. Thank you. I will we and have been doing for the past five minutes. Chef. <laughs> you were also complimenting me on the very nice dinner I made last night. So you're having your cake and you're smelling it too. <laughs> it was heavy on the uh, Brussels sprouts. Um, I felt weirdly like Tom and Greg were the moral compasses of this episode. Tell me more. I took it at face value when he said he would be the Christmas tree. For Greg's uh, wrongdoings, corporate wrongdoings. Yeah, I, wrongdoings. I did. I thought there was I an amount was of a... resignation to that. Yeah, but I thought I, I, um, this guy's acting is so good. And with this moment, I just felt he was performing a truth, which was, I am doing this mental practice of trying to accept that prison is coming. And, uh, yeah, I'll do that for you. And there was this sort of decency there. And then I felt that we saw Greg's bottom line is he doesn't want to see democracy corrupted. He's like, this is too far for me. When he's being, he's this guy who's sort of reaching for money and power constantly. Then we see him on the shoulders of these white supremacists, basically going, fuck Greenpeace. And you go, this kid's not enjoying this. Does that go anywhere? Did we just see Greg's last stand where he says, you can't make Connor president. And and that's the last glimpse of him having some decency. Or... Do we start to maximise the Greg window? Is it a turning point of sorts? No, I don't. J- just to be very clear, I don't think Greg would ever take a stand. I think seeing his morality on display at its brightest is just him being bothered by something. I would never take a stand. You might take a stand for something, but I wouldn't. My other thing is, here we are, we just watched episode six. So there are three more episodes to go of the series. And I think we've learned that two of them are going to be functions We've got Kendall's 40th birthday party. Uh-oh, okay. And there's Caroline's wedding. Which of the oh proposed themes God. do you think uh, would make the best birthday party Remind for Kendall? Remind me again what they are. This is when he goes back to his command pod after he's fired Lisa. And that news has just dropped in casually. And then he gets these people to talk to him about the planning for his 40th birthday party. 
So I think uh, uh, Shit Slops was one of the suggestions. Oh. End Times, uh, The Weimar Republic meets Dante uh, meets AI. Antibiotic Resistance Superbug Party. Oh, my God. First of all, the casting of those guys who are planning the party. <laughs> I'm going to use the phrase as a catch-all douchebag. That's what your face is serving, and that's how you landed that role. And what is that worth to you? Like, is that like, who gives a shit? I just got a role in succession, but like, you're not going to get an Emmy nomination off the back of it. Or is it a little bit depressing when you go to bed that night to be like... I look like I have white privilege douchebag face. <laughs> and those guys must, might be the nicest guys in the world. Like maybe we'd meet them and both decide that we'd want them as our best friends. But holy shit, the face is very mean. Anyway, I would not attend that birthday party, but I would love to go to Caroline's wedding. All right. Well, we will get into the episode in just a second. Uh, firstly, as ever, we'd love to hear from you. We will have our Sprinkles episode on Friday. Uh, and we're always interested to hear what you've seen in the episode or what you are speculating might come to pass. Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. Secondly, our live show in London is happening on the 12th of December. Uh, Sarah pointed out to me yesterday that maybe it wasn't the smartest idea to plan a live show in the middle of a Sunday afternoon on one of the biggest shopping weekends of the year. Listen, we had no choice. We have to do it on that Sunday because the season finale is on Monday. So it wasn't a poor choice. I was just saying that in one day, I had three people say to me, oh, I would love to come, but we're going to see Frozen the musical. Like people are doing like family shit that Sunday, like going to see a 4 p.m. showing of the stick man in the West End or whatever. So this is a call. Fuck the stick man. Fuck Frozen the musical. That's some bullshit. This is for grown-ups who want to celebrate in a real way. I've already told you what you're doing. You're going to do a nice little one. You're going up Piccadilly. <gasps> Maybe they stop for a cocktail at the Wolsey. Nice. Right? And then they come and they see some shit for some grown-ups at 4 o'clock at 21 So. They're going to have a Christmas tree up. They're going to be serving some decent mulled wine. The third thing is I should tell you about the guest on this week's episode. Now, he is, I think, one of our finest comedians and has been for some decades. He also happens to be my best friend. I know that sounds like we couldn't get a guest. <laughs> so I, I had to pull in a favour at the last minute. But it really isn't that. No, it's about us trying to exploit his celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's partly that. Also, I, I know for a fact that he just has this brilliant forensic well, mind. The way he sees the strings pulling in any facet of any part of life is what he has built a lot of his comedy on. And it seemed like getting that brain on the strings of succession felt like a smart move for us. And that is why... We are talking to David Gorman, best man at our wedding. Well, let's get our spoon in the soup then. The way I see this going is I want to spend some time on what I think we both think was the standout performance of the episode. Then maybe spend a little time on, on Kendall and what he's up to and then get into the disturbing vision of how democracy works that the uh, the, the show has decided to uh, lay before us this week and, and go through just what happened in Virginia and who those candidates were and how it affected the various Roys. Does that sound like a Yeah, when, I thought, like when you were plan? saying disturbing vision, I thought you were going to talk about this flirtation between um, Logan and Carrie. And I just want to say... 
that what I appreciate about it is that it feels super disturbing. I'll, I'll watch someone fuck someone who could be his daughter, but let me know versus being like, no, no, no this is appropriate. And I feel that if succession made it icky, which I appreciate it. What do you think is going on there? She is now, there are these couple moments where she steps forward and vocalizes her opinion in this way that is just night and day from anything we would see Colin do, anything we would see Jess do, anyone else we see in one of those sort of roles. And is that anything other than the confidence of a woman who's fucking her boss? A proximity fuck, though. We know that Logan doesn't but enjoy that was one. A bullshit line because he fucked Rhea. Right. I loved the line, a proximity fuck, but we have in fact seen him do that before. When Kerry did that, when she spoke and- to the vice president yeah. of the United States, it happens twice, right? Yeah. We see her do it in front of the vice president, mm-hmm. and I think you feel Logan bristle, almost like the the little lady. Oh. Oh, I didn't read it that way okay, at all. That's okay. so interesting. And, and okay. then the other time it happens with Shiv, and I think Logan is pleased when that happens. Oh, that's very interesting. So I read it as both times that he is, to use his own phrase, cuntstruck. Right. And the look at the end, and Shiv is just mortified and terrified, and all this Mencken stuff is feeling... She's seeing depths of depravity in her family that she didn't want to think were there. How how do you think Marsha would have handled that exchange with the vice president in the corridor? So she's a, she is a little French, Logan. Mm. Oui, she's, but merci. Yes, but just that the rumour is out there is problematic enough. She seems to have gotten very Nordic in the... Oh, I thought she was getting a little Heil Hitler at the end, but maybe that was just the, <laughs> the Mencken influence. Okay, then we, we 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 got slightly derailed there, but I wanted to start by talking about Tom because I think we're both in agreement. It was just an extraordinary performance from Matthew McFadden this week. Unbelievable! What did you make of the wine tasting? What is that there to do? It was there to show that these super rich people have a vineyard. That's a plaything for them. But the wine it produces is shit and it ultimately brings them no joy. Where do you think the vineyard would be? Maybe like Northern France. I've got Northern France in my mind. Oh, I'm not seeing that at all. Where I'm are you seeing? Very, without question, I was seeing New World. Really? Yeah, I was almost seeing like an Oregonian situation. Uh-huh. Or like some weird new part of Australia that they've started making wine in. Some weird new part of Australia, you say? You, in other words, there are the parts of Australia where they make the wine. Right. But then can't you see them finding a new part of Australia to be like, what if we tried making wine here? I, th- I think possibly, and, and you know, I think it's okay for you to say it as American. I think possibly the, the phrase New World is gone out of fashion has it it's basically saying we're the europeans we're the old world and then every everything else is the new bits we discovered oh yeah yeah when tom starts yet again talking about his prison fears oh god what a moment it's incredible the the leap of logic that he's now thinking about it all the time because in the moments when it he isn't thinking about it you know his mind drifts then it's like the the loosening of an icy grip on his innards is incredible just such a brilliant contorted logic and, but i think also so human like when you are consumed by something terrible those moments where you forget about it feel like oh, like you've just gotten a yes. breath of air and i thought that window into that's how he's feeling about it was wonderful and then shiv Doing that thing of basically being like, I'm done listening to you worrying about being in prison. I thought was such a brilliant marital moment. And it made her look so loathsome. 
She reminded me a little bit of you when I've been going on too much about my career anxieties. Yes, but I think someone might argue that career anxieties and impending impending prison sentence are (laughs) different things. I also thought the way that that sort of like negotiation of married sex unfolds was... So was was, was that some kind of kindness on her part or was it her trying to shut it down? I think Shut down the prison whinging. It was the best she could do of making him feel good. If we ever in our marriage use the phrase make love. I don't believe so. We've never, ever used it. We're too busy fucking. <laughs> That's how we roll. There's no good word for it. Um, let me ask you this. A prison consultant. So that must have been who provided him with his prison binder. Right. And then I thought, oh, right. There must be these people who cater to rich people who are going to have to go to prison. Do you think that's who Tom phones a few episodes back after he has that conversation with Logan and we see him take a business card out? It's a distinct possibility. I thought the idea of hoarding tins of mackerel also reminded me a bit of you. Oh, I would definitely do that. Well, you do it already. Well, I don't do it anymore. You hide tin fish around that the house. That happened a couple times, but that it's not a consistent <laughs> thing. One, what that was about was me. I mean, I'm mortified, but it was me trying to lose weight. So like going heavy on the protein, but Jeff is vegetarian. So we sort of have this, it's sort of an unspoken rule that meat doesn't come in the house. So I tucked some away, but you found it anyway. It was such also, a weird thing to find. Well, first of all, who do we think packs tinned fish if they go on a holiday? Your mother. Exactly. And that's her own mother's fault. Where does it end, Jeff? Where does it end for the rich white ladies? Where does it end for our series of problems? Where does it end? I'm improvising this. We're not rich. This isn't a song that We're not rich, but we're squarely middle class. And I think that it's so disgusting when... So I'm middle class, but not even the rich end of middle class. But I like to try and present it as, you know, like this. So that I'm not, I don't fall afoul of doing the thing that other people do. Would you consider recording that properly and we could try and release it as a Christmas single? Nah. All right, so that was uh, that was Shiv and Tom. Tom and Greg, I think we pretty much covered, apart from uh, we didn't mention uh, Greg's physical length. I just feel that because of my physical length, I could be a target for all kinds of misadventure. Does any part of you think that, I'm not talking about succession here, I'm talking about we as a culture, have come on in so many ways but uh, prison rape seems to be the thing it's okay to joke about. Oh, that's really, really smart. Yeah. Sorry to pour cold water on that. Uh, no, but you're right. Here. Like, we can still joke about men being raped in prison. Yeah. I think it's great. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's interesting, right? That, that feels like still an acceptable joke. And I, I almost feel like they tiptoe towards it, but don't go all the way there, probably for that very reason. Maybe that is changing. I don't know. Do you have the list of all the things that a toilet can be? I do. Um, a stair machine, a bench, a fridge, a lover, a brother, a priest, a toilet, a perfect gentleman, but a terrible bastard. Wow. I think our toilet is a terrible bastard. But it's also a toilet. <laughs> it's not a refrigerator. Yet. It's not a bench. It's not a stairmaster. So we should count our blessings. Uh, I think maybe it has been a bench on occasion. Yeah. I'm, oh, I'm always using it as a bench. Sorry. <laughs> but I don't use it as a brother. Have you ever used it as a lover? Have you ever masturbated into our toilet bowl? No. It doesn't seem like your style. No. Do men do that? What I see in films and TV <laughs> is that dads are like always jerking off in the shower. Here's the thing. You work from home. And you have a wife who works evenings. So you have ample opportunity to just have a nice wank in our marital bed. That's the truth. 
So don't act all hoity-toity around men wanking in the shower because if you were a real man with a real job <laughs> and a good old wife at home, you'd be doing the same. You'd be getting up in the morning to go to the office and jerking off like into the toilet bowl. It's more about the effort of standing, I think. Well, what I'm telling you is you're living more of a life of luxury than I think you're ready to admit. <laughs> um, so Tom and Kendall then. What a scene. I mean, when he says, I like you. I mean, I, I have notes, but <laughs> I feel that that's our marriage in a nutshell. I love you, but I have some notes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I, got, I have some notes too. I bet I have more notes than you do. Yeah, yeah. When, once they've left the diner, that's actually the moment I'd love to focus on. But do you think that Tom's mind is made up in the diner? Or do you think his mind is made up after they leave? Ooh. That's really good. Because he's open to what Kendall's got to say, and that is why he's there. Yep. Another way of asking that question is, when does Kendall screw it up? When Kendall says to Tom, you know, and he's like, how does this play out? I think in that moment, he's still considering it. He's like, try and help me see how betraying the only people I have helps me. I think he's still open in that moment. And when Ken is like, Shiv is going to, you're going to show Shiv who the man is. I think, because in that moment I was like, no, he's not. Like yeah, yeah. Shiv has no interest in see, whatever that means, like seeing him as a man. All Shiv wants is power. Shiv cannot be with someone who is her equal. This is one of the ongoing themes of this whole entire series. And it is Kendall again proving that his ability to read people and judge what people will do is non-existent. And I think Tom goes, this guy has no fucking clue so, so if kendall had well, given a, if kendall had given a better answer to how does it play out yes i think if he had shown himself to be the king that he truly isn't by the way just to quickly say here when i think when i think of where i was at at the end of season two when i thought that season three was going to be about watching kendall become the man he his father wants him to be oh my god was i off like yeah we're just watching this pathetic failure of a man unspool you know tom is smart in his ways and he's going long-term big picture prison will be better for me than than this guy this is a walking disaster and he has been since the day i met him and he still is and that speech was i mean tom articulated what we, we've all the, seen the, yes that line you know all i do is watch you get fucked and your father never gets fucked and the way jeremy strong the way he shows us that he's been ruined before he then, it's the same thing that we see with Lisa earlier when she's like, do you think you're smarter than I am? And then he starts taking those photos. If you had to pick one adjective to describe your feeling when Kendall starts taking those photographs, what would it be? It's, it's like a mixture of disgust, but humiliation on his behalf yeah, about to, yep, to what he's good. to what he's slunk to. I'm sorry not to give you one word there, no, but, but that's I think as close that's, as I can get. I was disgusted with him, and I pitied him. Now let's go through these uh, potential presidential candidates because I think that's a good way of mopping up everything else we've not talked about from the episode. I mean, firstly, that uh, a summit like this exists. And remember, something we've learned about succession is it doesn't go in the script if there isn't some kind of real world equivalent. If they haven't talked to people mm -hmm, who mm -hmm, move in these circles mm -hmm. and it doesn't seem plausible, it doesn't go in the script. And what was the name of this episode again? Whatever It Takes. Which we did a little Googling, and that's based on this book that was written about the 1988 US presidential election. And I think... 
it shows me, Jeff, that I'm a real Roman because is you're getting excited to talk about this part of the show because it's like so insane how corrupt shit is. I'm getting excited to talk about it because I just thought the charisma radiating off that racist Mencken was like so unbelievable. I mean, I'm so excited. I wrote at one point, I was like, move over, Jerry, because the new fucking is between Roman and Mencken, and I am here for it. They fizzled for each other. The Jerry and Roman shippers will not be happy at all. We're seeing a whole new flirtation. We certainly are. Doesn't it confirm something awful about Roman? Because a few weeks ago, we were saying part of what makes him endearing is the fact that his cynicism is atop of the fact that he's so sensitive and he sees cruelty and he sees what's wrong in the world. But here he is. I mean, when he's in the bathroom with that guy, that guy starts off by using uh, coded racist language about boomboxes. But then within seconds, it's overt. And Roman still doesn't care. No, and it's like that episode where we sort of saw all the very blatant anti-Semitism from Logan. It's like... It's like they go, hey, audience, we see you. We know you're all getting into, we know Roman is likable. Let's remind you about his bottom line. He will sit and he will moisturize his hands while he talks about letting immigrant children die. So dark, but then sort of getting to see Sarah Snook perform real fear about what her brother is capable of. Mm beautifully acted i thought that all of those candidates menken included were were trying to play the roys in different ways and menken did it more successfully than the others so you see that vp boyer mm. uh, say to logan something i uh, really care about and want to address is tech because he has intel knowing that's the logan's bee in his bonnet at the moment so you 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 see is he called santago santago or santago i think santago but i don't know saying to shiv I want to see you in that chief executive's role. And Mencken does some version of the same, I think, to Roman, only it's successful. This is, but this is the thing, is that I fit like in a game of chicken with all three other candidates, they would bend. And I don't think Mencken would. He is... The one, right? He's the one. He, it's like that Roman line, you know, dad, you wanted us to find you a milking cow and we found you a T Rex or whatever. I'm paraphrasing that line, but like he is the winner. Because what I don't understand is, is when, when Roman says that thing about him being a T Rex, he says, box office, dad. Does Roman know box office? Yes, I think Roman knows box office. Then why did he do such a terrible job at uh, when he was running the studios? Why was Mr. Hunk his only success? And by the way, Mm -hmm. now now we have the answer to the question, what does Logan watch? He seemed to really put a smile on his face when Mr. Hunk was mentioned. The film that Roman had produced at Waystar about a man who could talk to cars. Yes, but you know that he's never watched that film. But (laughs) Mr. Hunk isn't... Mr. Hunk is Roman's you know, is the equivalent of Shiv's wine. Roman thinks he knows what people want, but does he know what the general public, the voters or the the viewers in the case of the films, does he really understand them? Or is he too contemptuous of them ultimately to have a real steer on that? Well, yes, he's probably too contemptuous. Like whatever part of him thinks that money starts in a million dollars. Right. He doesn't understand what people think, but a lot of people are dirtbags. 
and morons. And I think he does understand dirtbags and morons. And and then Shiv's candidate, Santago. I loved the moment when um, Tom is still in the room before he goes to meet with Kendall. And um, Logan says to Tom, what do you, what do you think? And he goes like, I, you know, I'm with Shiv. I can, uh, I can jive with Santago. <laughs> And then Roman sort of is like, that's sort of, that's basically racist. And I love that, that, this idea of this guy who knows to say cisgendered, who knows that saying jive when you're talking about a person of color is a bit off, but then will ultimately go and put a white supremacist in in the White House. It's just the most, that's why when, when people talk about like the characters in the show being one dimensional, I think it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then speaking of Santago, he never had it, right? No. This is Shiv just trying to find the least worst option according to her own ideology. Although she does suggest well, pivoting it's to also, the Democrats. Yeah, and it's also someone who's going to treat her like she's powerful. Yes. I mean, that has, has well, we hear her the... say, my opinion counts for more, Dad. Yeah. When when Logan's on the brink of making up his mind or he's just made it. She thinks that this is her world. Roman's taunted her by saying, oh, and oh how, how many God. successful campaigns have you run? And that, you know, when she's sort of trying to talk about how legitimately awful it would be to let a man like this in. And he starts what, he starts singing some sort of patriotic America song over her. And this, and she just loses her temper and is like, fuck you. You know, you see that like genuine anger, not their usual playful bants. <gasps> what did you make of the fact that Connor keeps coughing? Was it just him trying to get attention to yeah, be like me, yeah, me, me? Yeah, and it works. And, and then Logan notices it. Um, for a moment, it did look like the sword had been pulled from the stone. My liege. Oh, yeah. I, I, it's, it's funny. People do kind of take Connor seriously in that room, in the, in, the, in the big convention, because they only know him in a one-dimensional way from his YouTube videos. They, have, they yeah. haven't seen him in the way his family or, or indeed the viewers have seen him. Um, I loved seeing that guy from... Perfect Strangers. Yes. Standing tall on the wings of my dreams. Which I think was a huge American sitcom. Huge. It was it was quite big here, but I don't think people would know it in the same way. So his character was... It was a show called Perfect Strangers starring Marklin Baker and Bronson Pinchot as Cousin Balky, which wouldn't happen anymore. And, um, you know, it was these two cousins living in Chicago. And it was one of the great American shows of the 80s. And I urge you right now to watch the uh, opening song. And he is one of the Pierces who we saw. Yes. What I loved about that and and that episode with the Pierces in season two, which is for all the ideological posturing, and we see it with Shiv as well, these people are just awful. And the fact that he is there being some kind of intellectual sounding board to Connor Roy shows there's no there's no moral fiber at all to them. There are no real principles. No. And uh, and and of course the return of Willa at last. Thank God. When they, Willa and Connor, are talking to Ron Pectus, who, you who, recognize him. We worked out. We worked out. We Googled. He was also in Barry. Another great show. When is that coming back? That's oh amazing. Oh my God, should show. that be our next thing so that we can use some momentum off the back of this? <laughs> if it only comes out once a week, maybe. Anyway, um, and, and he's like, come on, we're just going to show him a little leg. And she's like, my leg. And he's like, the collective leg. <laughs> Um, it's particularly heartbreaking when you think about um, how Connor and Willa met. I don't mean online either. Online. I mean that, that, that Connor is in effect um, pimping her. Oh my god! So, so after the little coughing episode, and Logan says to the room, Connor, what do we think? Is that Logan asking everybody to put the boot in to Connor so that he doesn't have to do it himself, and so that Connor understands why? 
Yes. And I think that sort of that moment of consideration is them treating him with respect so that Connor doesn't go out and scream about how there used to be no blacks and Jews and women above the fourth floor. floor. That's what I interpreted that. Mm. You know, because Shiv sat there going, well, right, we've got, you know, they're all sort of playing that game together so he can be gently dismissed. Well, all that leaves us with uh, with breakfast the next day, doesn't it? And the photo. You win, Pinky. Oh, my God, he's a genius. It's not just you win, Pinky. And we're talking about um, Shiv not wanting to be in the photo with a fascist and then eventually being negotiated into standing in a photo with a fascist, just not right next to him. That's what we're talking about. Logan presents it to her like a victory, you win, Pinky. And then straight away, immediately afterwards, goes over to Roman in earshot of Shiv and tells him how well he's done. I mean, this is the most classic move, right? Punish one, be kind to another. We've seen that, though, now back to back in two episodes. And where does this sort of momentum of cruelty to Shiv land her eventually? I also wondered if Tom being in that photo might ultimately prove damaging to Mencken. Go on. If Tom goes to prison, you've got a presidential candidate having his picture taken with somebody responsible for grave corporate crime. Interesting. If you'd have been forced into that photograph by your father, what would you have done with your facial expression? My usual. Which is miserable as sin. I'm not miserable. I'm trying to look like I'm going for like cutie because I don't like my own smile. It's sad, Sari. Oh, I think it's worse than that. You look like you're being forced to do something against I your know, will. I know. But I think it, 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 yes, I think say you look like you're being forced to do something against your will is correct. But then I think it's infused more with a, a sad wannabe real housewife's quality than a petulant <laughs> teenager quality. Well, I guess it will be interesting to see if that photo comes back to haunt either Mencken or any of the Roy family. Also... This sexual tension between Roman and Mencken, Mm. where does it go? And furthermore, if it goes somewhere and Logan finds out, how long is Roman, the golden boy, the number one boy for? Because we know that Logan's a bit of a homophobe. Oh, you mean real sexual tension? Yeah. Oh, this is so interesting because we're only now getting to this. I didn't think of it as they actually want to fuck. I just thought it was that kind of chemistry that can exist in a platonic relationship that is still sort of off the charts despite just being non-sexual. I don't think that anybody has that with me. No, honey, I don't think anybody does. <laughs> <laughs> no. And and more generally, how will the events of this week's episode affect the future? Will we ever see Tom and Greg have a nice meal again? Oh. <laughs> Please. Let us know what you think. We will get into your email on Friday Sprinkles. The email address is... Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. And coming up next, it is a joy to share with you the magnificent brain of Dave Gorman. Enjoy him. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. 
For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Dave Gorman. Hello. Hello. First up, are you a watch succession as soon as it's available on demand person, a watch it as it goes out on telly person, or watch it whenever, not even necessarily the same week kind of person? Um, I am currently a watch it as soon as I can person, but I have to watch it with my wife. And so we record it on Sunday night, really the early hours of Monday morning. And then we watch it on Monday night. Would, would it be a crazy thing? Like if she suddenly had to work one evening or you did, would it ever happen that one of you would watch without the other? Or would that be quite a betrayal of the contract? I feel like that would that would feel like an act of infidelity at the moment. And if you guys are sat on the sofa and watching and let's say someone has had an exhausting day, someone starts to fall asleep. How does that get handled? That hasn't happened so far this series. Okay. It happens often with other shows. What happens is I fall asleep on the sofa, uh, I get kicked a lot, I miss too much, and then <laughs> I watch it on catch-up again the next day so that we can resume that evening in the same place. Do you have any uh, intro rituals? Not really. I'm. It sounds ridiculous. Uh, I'm the only one who's properly au okay with the remote controls. So uh, I have to set the telly up. And she'll run into the kitchen and get snacks. But that's not because we've got gender roles. It's because she doesn't know how to use the remote controls completely. What's the current succession Gorman snack? Because she she cooks so much that if you're talking about a snack, it's not going to be like a regular crisp. It's going to be like a thing that she... An hors d'oeuvre. Is it going to be an hors d'oeuvre? That woman is serving hors d'oeuvres, I swear to God, even just to her husband during succession. She does cook a lot. and She is an expert at making... Things that seem unhealthy out of healthy ingredients. So mm. yeah, she'll go, oh, I've made these biscuits. They're made of broccoli and go. beans. Right. But we are also able to just open a packet of popcorn in front of the telly. And, and that's more a kind of succession snack. I see. Yes, of course, we don't see that we side of things, see that do side we? Of yeah. The dark underbelly <laughs> of Mrs. Gorman's <laughs> hospitality. <laughs> um, now, at the risk of asking a trite question, like what what is it you think that sets this show apart? I think... 
it's a it's such a strange show because they're not even people you can relate to. I have no idea what it's like to be in their shoes. None of them are likable. There's not one thoroughly decent person in the entire cast. There's not not one of them. I love Greg. Greg is my absolute. I just adore Greg so much. But he's deep down, he's a he's a horror just like the others. Why do you love him? Partly, I love the actor. I think there's something given how many greats are in there and how amazing their performances are. He's obviously younger than them. He, I assume he's greener than them. And he's holding his own in amongst all these greats. And he's got a slightly more layered persona because he's not of their world. He's with it. You can always see three thoughts be- behind his eyes before he says what he thinks is right. And sometimes it's what he thinks they want to hear and sometimes it's not. And he's just constantly guessing and never able to settle. The others have a comfort about them. Like Roman is just after me as he goes through a door. But he's completely used to the idea that the world moves for him and he gets what he wants and he doesn't care. He's comfortable. Greg is constantly uncomfortable and doesn't know doesn't know how to walk through a door. Are you um are you rooting for him to win? I don't want to see him win by suing Greenpeace. Um, <laughs> so I don't, I don't know that anyone wins, do they? Really? This is what's am- amazing about it. There's no one to root for. There's no one to care for. And yet you're fascinated by them. And in moments, in any individual moment, you don't want anything bad to happen to any of them. So it doesn't feel like ultimately categorically succession is a comedy it feels like ultimately categorically it's a drama but it is so much funnier than so many other things can you think is is that sort of singular to it or can you think of a predecessor to it or a show that it stands on the shoulders of in terms of being that funny but not technically a comedy maybe rent a ghost <laughs> <laughs> Wait, someone's going to have to explain that reference to me. <laughs> I can tell you made it funny, but I don't get well, it. Well, no, I mean, he's, he's picked a 1970s BBC children's show just to mess with your head. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, no, I don't. A genuine answer to the question. I don't know of anything else that operates in that territory. And it has, like, there's a pedigree of writers on it who have amazing comic yeah. sort of backgrounds. But even. You know, the people who worked on the thick of it and and those things, it still feels like a step change for them. And I wouldn't have predicted anyone moving. From Peep Show to this feels Mm. like a a quantum leap of some kind. And I love Peep Show. I'm not not disparaging it for one moment. But it's so different that it feels more like, and maybe this is our prejudice about comedy and drama, you'd feel like somebody who'd worked on Breaking Bad or big punchy drama would step sideways into something with more comic beats you wouldn't expect someone who'd worked on out and out comedies to step sideways into something with so much texture and drama we we, we always leave it playing right till the end of the, the credits now i know you um you you are somebody you, you're very obsessed with finding people with the same surname as you um i i saw a i saw a gorman in the in the credits early on and i, I wondered if it was any relation um uh, Mrs. Gorman uh, did work in series one. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Gorman worked in what? How did I miss this piece of information? 
Um, you're such a bad actor, Jeff. Uh, yeah, she worked on series one. So um, I was hearing lots of tales about how amazing the writers were and how good this was going to be before it launched. When she's in the room with the writers as, as this thing is taking shape, can, can she even conceive of what it's, it's going to be if she's coming home and telling you about it? You, you get in a sense of just what it will become. I think she she knew it was going to be good. Um, she was witness to some of the kind of research into the lives of those sort of people that was going on and helping people collate ideas as as they built up the show. So she did have a a good insight into it but even then and this is true of all productions what you're all imagining and how it's realized sometimes there's a a chasm between those two things and this just feels like the most beautifully realized production Mm. where everyone gets it i don't know because i'm not in that world but i imagine the people who are in that world really recognize it someone did this tweet that was like uh thank god this show has a british showrunner because if it was if it was the same show, but it was it came from an American, and that was the person making all the decisions. As good as the show is, it might still stay. All of the actors would be better looking, <laughs> and that would affect that would somehow affect the authenticity of the show. And then all these people were like trying to come at this one, being like, "You're saying Sna- Sarah Snook isn't hot? Sarah Snook?" And she's like, "No, Sarah Snook is incredibly good. Like, all these people are good looking be- because they're billionaires. They should be." But it would have been like people who look like models playing billionaires. Right. And that would have lost just a little bit of the edge of what makes it feel so authentic. Google image search on the bridge and see the the Scandinavian version of the bridge, the British version of the bridge and the American version of the bridge. And that is the perfect illustration of what you're talking about. Oh, God. But you're sometimes surprised by the people we allow on television. Oh, that's here. classic. If Jeff and I are watching TV, he'll just be like, would you ever see someone who looks like that on US television? And we're like, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> and I think it speaks well of Britain and poorly of the US of A. I'm thinking um, Roy Cropper from Coronation Street. <laughs> um, all right. I'm going to try and I'm going to try and link your cryptic crosswords to succession, if you'll sort of bear with me as I attempt it. Okay. So, so, okay. So just to start off here, pandemic hits, you're a stand-up comedian, you are a hardworking person, suddenly you are stuck in your house. This eventually leads you to the writing of cryptic crosswords, which now, as I understand it, are published in all these different papers. So what I'm trying to get at, this succession connection to the crossword I'm trying to get at is, you're this guy, you've built this career, it's who you are, it's your identity, it's your profession, you've been successful. And then this crazy shit happens. And what you do as a way of keeping your brain engaged is you you, you turn, at least in part, to these cryptic crosswords. Logan, okay, he loses the biz. He's out of Waystar Royco, but let's just assume he stays fit of mind and body. What would Logan's cryptic crossword be? Where does he put all that energy that he now can't put into Waystar Royco? I think it would all be invested in some form of revenge. That is brilliant. That's all he can do. That's where all his energy is focused. He has to be a winner. If he's not a winner, he has to bring down other people. So I don't know exactly what form it would take, 
but he would be sabotaging whoever was the victor in some way. Oh, my way. God. That feels real right to me. Yeah. Yeah. He'd be plotting to somehow take it back, but they don't feel like the kind of people who are able to go, oh, well, I've lost the business. Still, I've got enough money to last me for the rest of my life. I'll go and play golf. When you look at Logan with all his kids, you yourself are a father, of course. Do you... <laughs> of course. Um, do you... Is there anything that Logan does parentally that you think he's getting right? <laughs> or to phrase it another way, which of Logan's parenting techniques have you incorporated into your own? Um... The only thing he does right is not give Connor a job. Um, Great. <laughs> Great. Uh, apart from that, <laughs> they're all so damaged. So. And I don't know if it's possible to be in his position, regardless of his personality, even if he was the most fundamentally decent person on earth, I don't know if it's possible to to live in those circumstances and not have damaged children. It sort of persuades me that it's not possible. Um, I'm aware that my son has privileges that I did not have. And even though some of that is really simple stuff, like he doesn't have to do the washing up. When I was a child, a dishwasher in a home was a really rare thing. It's not even because I've somehow bettered myself. It's just the world tends to have dishwashers in it now. And there's a part of me that goes, you lucky sod. And if it's a, a concern at my little, tiny little level, then what right. must it be like to be the billionaire class? I always just feel with this like stuff where people are like, oh, but what, you know, I bettered myself. But like what little what little things are they missing because this, whatever. And it's like, I just think all dads now, present company included, are around their children so much more and are like so verbal with their children and so physical with their children in terms of expressing love that all this other weird shit that could happen will be mitigated by the fact that, like you say, I love you and cuddle him every day. But, you know, Logan let them ride on the back of an elephant when they were kids. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> all right, let's, uh, let's usher you in to the uh to to the crucial vote on who the next ceo of waystar royco should be oh um uh frank oh yeah i have very little logic other than nobody else deserves it he's the closest to decent in there i think what differentiates him from jerry uh, very little but she sort of is a de facto CEO in some way already. And I, I mean, I love the relationship between her and Roman as weird and screwed up as it is. But I, uh, I feel like she's been closer to the corrupt core of it than he has. And he's been cast aside once and brought back in. And I think he knows it from both sides. And, and I think he's sort of between the, Devil in the Deep Blue Sea with it and would like it to be better, but gets shat on and takes it because what else can he do? Wow, that's our first oh, vote for Frank. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> yeah. I see it now. Well, that's been David Gorman. Oh, David. The best, man, the best man at our wedding. Best man at your wedding. Not just in title, but just, just, just a fact. All right, all just right. generally the best man at the wedding. Yeah. Crossword setter, cryptic crossword setter, writer, TV star? Mm, is he a TV star? He kind of no, is. No, no. I think you were. 
that modern life is goodish was very very well received don't say were <laughs> nobody wants to hear that about themselves no no, no that's not how i meant it but the show isn't on the air right okay, okay. can i i'm just gonna say kendall is all performative and trying to appear woke in whatever he thinks is the correct modus operandi for the moment i, I feel like i ought to go hey i'm a writer performer but my main job is a dad <laughs> oh! nice <laughs> There is just time before we finish up to hear your favourite quotes from this week's episode. Okay, I just need to be honest and say there were so many. We were like, Sarah, you have to edit. I just I just think your quotes were almost getting to the same length as an episode of Succession. I know, and I think they're slightly longer this week than last week. We could get to a point where your quotes go on longer than an episode of Succession because you enunciate so, so oh much. Oh my God, I'm the most aggressive enunciator of all time. Ready? Ready. Hey, paper people. He hates the close proximity bang. It's not our fault the president's brain couldn't thunk good no more. As a libtard, how do you like Spelunkin and the elephant's asshole? Wait till the weekend's over. We'll get our white cis male stank all over you. Is it just me or in a room full of Timothy McVeigh's does Connor suddenly look like a Roosevelt? Frowny face here wanted to stay home and work on her play, but duty calls for my leggy Mary Todd. I happen to believe that the next president of the United States is somewhere in this very room. He is, and he's hard as a rock. <laughs> Some guy with an undercut just called me Soy Boy. It's just a nice, safe space where you don't have to pretend to like Hamilton. The Brexit pervert. New dad just dropped. Burning books and measuring skulls down in Nuremberg, Virginia. Does the topic of my impending imprisonment bore you? It's just like throwing so much cake batter at a brick wall. A couple of cool guys having some disgusting fun. Admirable grope boat. I just feel, because of my physical length, I could be a target for all kinds of misadventure. <gasps> that endless salty gym mat that you're eating. The camel's labia. Your bauble of corporate wrongdoing. YouTube provocateur bullshit aristopopulism rape is natural. It's all red pill, baby. Poor Rome, his dreams of porking mom slipping through his little lubed up fingers. Minimizing the Greg window. The fuck fuck donkey gang. Stop being a little pixie whispering swastika in dad's ears. Russian Berlusconi Brazilian fuck pile. Quit butt humping Salgado Shiv. We all supported your little DC lemonade stand, but this is the real world. <laughs> sure, I might call the guy who waxes my balls. He's a possible. Fascists are kind of cool, but not really. Sluice out the fucking porridge and add some sriracha. I know we came to market to get you a nice milk cow, but we found ourselves a fucking T-Rex, okay? Oh, yeah, let's just invade Poland, Dad. There's no downside. Flying on the wings of white power. Did it feel good as the fascist lifted you aloft like the Stanley Cup? Magnificent. Too long? A little too long. If you're thinking the same, I can take a note. Thank you to Dave Gorman for being such a fantastic guest. We will be back on Friday with Sprinkles, your email. Some questions that I would like answered include Kendall's new lawyer that he's so excited about. Could it be Pew? Do attorney generals really have dartboards? And will the catering at Caroline's wedding be all pigeons and roadkill? Excited to see you on Friday. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.